Thursday, December 30th, 2021. Today on the show, Weird West has been delayed, Halo Infinite has a new event going on, and Battlefield 2042 Season 1 is going to kick off next year. This is the Culture Jack News Desk. This is the Culture Jack News Desk. I'm your host, Dustin. Thank you so much for tuning into the Culture Jack podcast. Uh, this is one of five regular and semi-regular shows that we do every week here. And on this show, I talk about the news. I talk about video game news specifically. I, and, and that's most of the time. Occasionally, like today, I'll get a chance to talk about some movies and some shows that I've been watching. But usually, it's mostly about video games and the video game industry. So at the end of this show, and I will put a time marker in the description so you can you can go right to it or you know when it's coming up. I'm going to be talking a little bit about Spider-Man No Way Home, some of my thoughts. Now that Anthony has professed he is going to be doing an OTE on the Spider-Man No Way Home movie, uh, I'll talk about uh, some big important moments in that movie that I, I thought. And then he already did a wonderful job covering the Hawkeye show. I just wanted to give my two cents on uh, that particular Disney plus Marvel, Marvel piece of work. But before we get into that, let's take a look. Let's take a look at the news. All right. It's kind of a slow video game news week. And I didn't realize this until I had, uh, honestly, uh, not to toot my own horn, but toot toot. Uh, I didn't realize that news for video games slowed down so much at the end of the year. I mean, I don't have very many stories here. And I think I may have gotten a little gung ho and got some stories that I reported on last week. So if there are any repeats from last week, you know, don't don't judge me too harshly, please. Uh, Sony owned Anaplex acquires mobile game developer Delightworks, and that that they're most popular for their mobile game Fate Grand Order, and this just you know further portends to Sony's desires to get into the mobile gaming market, and whether that looks like a Steam Deck type. Uh, console or looks like a Nintendo Switch type of console or it's just a Sony-led department for mobile games for iOS and Android devices. I mean, who knows at this point? But uh, there's definitely not nothing going on behind Sony's recent push for mobile games and mobile game development. Uh, Like I said at the top of the show, Battlefield 2442 Season 1 will kick off in March 2022. That's at least the rumor going around. A new data mining leak points to 12, quote, preseason weeks leading up to the launch of the shooter's first season, seemingly in March. And good on them. I know Battlefield 2042 is not doing great as far as uh, sales numbers go, concurrent players uh, go, and I think I even heard a statistic that Battlefield 5 was a more popular online multiplayer right now, anyway, than Battlefield 2042. Which, if that's the case, it's, I'm sorry, Battlefield 2042, but good on you, Battlefield 5. Because there was some huge controversy with Battlefield 5 uh, rolling into the release, the release of that game. Ubisoft Talent Exodus has reportedly, quote, stalled or slowed several projects. 
Uh, and I didn't mention it at, at the top, though. Uh, these gaming stories, these headlines I plucked right from GamingBolt.com. A uh, new report talks about increasing attrition at the studios across Ubisoft with a number of factors resulting in the company losing more developers than usual. Now, typically, I give you the headline. I give you my thoughts on the headline. But this one I had to look at a little bit more. Look, look at a little bit more closely, take a dive into. And so it looks like uh, the company has come under fire following multiple reports that have brought to light widespread and persistent cases of workplace toxicity and a culture of harassment and misconduct. Obviously not anything as big as the Activision Blizzard stuff, the ongoing Activision Blizzard debacle, but enough so that it's getting getting folks to leave. There's other other issues as well. Uh, a number of developers. Ubisoft's attrition rate uh, in, in large corporations, typically called a turnover or attrition rate, uh, is a rate at which employees are leaving. And it's at 12% compared with other industry-similar studios like EA at 9%, Take-Two Interactive at 8%, and Epic Games at 7%. Anika Grant, Ubisoft's head of people ops, says, <laughs> I'd like to be head of people ops, says that though Ubisoft's attrition rate is, quote, a few percentage points above where it typically is, it is, quote, still within industry norms. And it doesn't seem like that much higher, but when you're dealing with, you know, thousands of employees, a 12% turnover can do, do quite a bit of damage uh, for your company. Uh, let's see. So this, this attrition has caused some delays uh, to include the division, Heartland, Prince of Persia, the Sands of Time remake. I know an eagerly anticipated game by a lot of people. Also, uh, Skull and Bones, which seems like it has been in development hell for a long time. And Beyond Good and Evil 2, all delayed. Seemingly because of some of these problems. Probably not all because of these problems, but they can't have helped. Horizon Forbidden West PlayStation 5 download size will reportedly be over 96, 96 gigabytes which is a large number, and and these modern games, these AAA games, are going to be more and more storage demanding. Halo Infinite Winter Contingency Event is live. Uh, this story is actually from the 22nd of December, so it's been live for a week now, and there's new cosmetics available, so if you haven't gotten a chance to jump into that, I know Anthony's doing, <laughs> he's doing some Halo, Halo multiplayer, so maybe he's been playing that event, has these new skins. Weird West has been delayed, like I said, to March 31st, 2022. WolfEye Studios and Devolver Digital have announced that in order to polish up Weird West a bit more, the immersive sim has been pushed back by a couple of months. And I'm trying to remember what Weird West was. I think it was... Gosh, I don't even know how I'd describe it, but I know there were a bunch of like old prospector guys and yeah, that's what it is. This is the, <laughs> this game is the old prospector guys game. You just, you'd talk about how it used to be and how kids these days, ugh, kids these days, <laughs> you, it's, it's the angry old prospector game, uh, but it's been delayed till uh, March 31st. So into March, early April. Final Fantasy 16 tops Famitsu's most wanted charts again. This thing keeps getting on those charts. 
just a quick recap of what these charts are looking like, at least for this last month. Number 10, you had Pragmata is the the most these are the most wanted games number nine triangle strategy number eight ushiro number seven gran turismo seven number six pokemon legends arceus i'm still gonna wait on arceus i'm gonna wait for gameplay reviews i'm gonna wait for seeing actual gameplay because if this is not the open world game that i want it to be I don't know if I'm interested in picking up another Pokemon game. I do not want more of the same, Game Freak. Number five, Dragon Quest X Offline. Number four, Splatoon 3. Number three, The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild 2. Oh, thank goodness that one made the list. That's got to be a hugely, hugely popular game. Number two, Bayonetta 3. Number one, Final Fantasy 16. I'm also excited for that because we did only get that little teaser and it wasn't even E3 this year, I think. It was, maybe it was E3 last year? Gosh, it's been a minute. Battlefield 2042 players are spotting in-game product placements. Players have started spotting advertisements and product placements in DICE and EA's online first-person shooter, which is cool uh, if it can cut down the amount of predatory gaming practices like loot boxes, skins... And now, uh, <laughs> now, uh, NFTs that may be coming to the game. Wait, is Battlefield 2042 an Ubisoft game? No, it's DICE and EA. Cause which one's the Ubisoft is the one doing quartz, right? The NFT that they're charging forward ahead with quartz, even though the fan base has loudly proclaimed they don't want NFTs in their games. They don't want to have to be taxed because they are excellent at beating a boss or have so many hours of playtime. Final Fantasy 16 next big reveal is planned for spring 2022. So early this next year, we can look for look for a big reveal when it comes to Final Fantasy 16. It's been eight minutes and I'm done with the news. That's it. That's all the news there, there was. It's funny because last week, due to the previous week's news skip, I did the double meat episode. Did you check out the double meat episode? There was all kinds of news on the double meat episode. So if you were going to Subway and you ordered this news show as a Subway sandwich, what would you what would you get? It'd be the no meat. It'd be a it'd be a six inch uh, club sandwich with no meat, um, with shredded cheddar cheese. <laughs> the sandwich sounds terrible. Uh, and onions. Shredded cheddar cheese, uh, onions, not toasted, and you would get um, some vinegar on the sandwich as well. This is the sandwich you're getting today for this news desk. This is the, it's pathetic, really. I mean, honestly, don't order this sandwich again. Uh, and hopefully we'll have, uh, the news will have picked up here at the beginning of the year as more new games come out. Speaking of new games, usually I tell you about the game releases that are coming up. The earliest that I have games, I, I go to the Metacritic site to see notable upcoming games. And the earliest they have games slated here is the week of January 10th through the 16th. So we still have another week yet of barren wastelands when it comes to video games. But on the 12th of January, Monster Hunter Rise is coming to PC. And God of War on the 14th is also coming to PC. But that's it. I mean, that's <laughs> that's all I have for, for news 
and for games. Now, I did say that I wanted to talk a little bit about Spider-Man No Way Home. I did say that I wanted to talk a little bit about Hawkeye. And I've got a, a couple other things on my my docket here just to just to make it so like you feel like you're getting a show. There's a few of you that tune in every single week, and I am immensely grateful for that that kind of loyalty that you have to the Culture Jack podcast. And so I'd hate to have you tune in, download this episode, just to get an 11-minute news show, and then call it a day. But I am going to talk about Spider-Man No Way Home spoilers. So if you have not seen Spider-Man No Way Home, now is, uh, now is your opportunity to get out before you hear anything that's going to ruin your movie going experience. Now, Anthony talked about Spider-Man No Way Home. He is going to do an OTE, like he said, but he talked a little bit about it on his uh, weekend show, The Weekend Wire. If you didn't catch that on Sunday, go back. Great episode uh, there as well. But he was talking about spoilers and how great everyone did to not spoil this movie. And I, yes and no, like at the beginning, there's there were so many leaks for this movie. Um, before even the first trailer came out, we knew that Doctor Strange was going to be in it. Uh, oh, spoilers for Spider-Man. Oh, get out, get out, get out, get out, get out. Get out, grab your coat and leave. You're no longer you're no longer welcome here. I mean, you are if you've seen Spider-Man No Home. But we knew Doctor Strange was going to be in it. We knew that we were going to have um, a cavalcade of villains from across the Sony Spider-Verse. There were leaks. There were very prominent leaks that both Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire were going to be in this movie. Uh, so in that regard, the I guess the paparazzi, the media, are we the media? We reported on those things as well. Or we acted as an echo chamber for those that did report on those things. So are we culpable for that? Did we spoil the movie beforehand? Well, only if you... Uh, only if you listen to our show regularly, I guess. But there there has been a, like Anthony said, an incredible respect for people who have not seen the movie online. I have seen such amazing restraint with my my personal circle. I even had a friend uh, send me a text and they were like, hey, have you seen Spider-Man No Way Home yet? And I said, no, I had not. And they wrote me back and they said, well, I'll wait, I'll wait until you see it and then text me back and we can talk about it. So I, I very much appreciate that. No, oh my God, did you did you see this part? Did you see that part? None of that. People did, for uh, the most part, respect the spoiler ban or the spoiler embargo, if you will, uh, very well. I will say, I agree with Anthony, though, that that's over. It's been out for a couple of weeks now. If you have not already gone to see Spider-Man No Way Home and you are still on the internet downloading podcasts and scrolling through your Facebook timelines and going on your Instagram feeds, you're going to get spoiled for this movie because we just can't wait any longer. Um, I thought it was really cool that Andrew Garfield was in the movie because I saw more interviews with Andrew Garfield denying that he was in this movie than I probably saw uh, announcements or leaks that he was even in this movie. And it was cool for him to be able to uh, redeem his Spider-Man. I mean, same, same thing with Tobey Maguire. He redeemed his Spider-Man as well. Uh, I just, I loved it 
you know, when MJ fell off the building and Tom Holland's uh, Peter Parker, he dove to catch her, but it was swooped away by the Green Goblin's hover, hover bike, hoverboard. It's a hoverboard. And then Andrew Garfield was the one that swept in and caught MJ, unlike the way that he was able to catch Gwen Stacy in his movie. So I thought it was very poetic. I thought it was very well written. And I was really glad that it that it happened. There were a lot of memes in this movie. So I don't know if you caught it, but when Norman uh, Norman Osborn was trapped like all the other villains, and Peter Parker had had sequestered Doctor Strange off in his mirror dimension with the webs and geometry, which that was really cool too, because he put him put him in the mirror dimension to get the box away from Peter. And then Peter was like, this is just geometry. I know geometry. And he started throwing webs around and eventually was able to capture Strange. But uh, when he had him sequestered there and he was back with the villains, he's like, I'm going to try and kill you guys. Not kill you guys. Holy shit. That would have been an entirely different movie. He says, I'm going to try and cure you guys. And Norman Osborn in his cage, he goes, well, I could help. I'm somewhat of a scientist myself, which is a meme on the Internet. So I thought that was hilarious. And then... I think it was on the Statue of Liberty. They also had uh, Tom and Toby and Andrew all pointing at one another, just like that Spider-Man meme on the internet where they're all pointing at one another uh, for the uh, for the multiverse. So I thought that was really cool that they included these nods to pop culture and Spider-Man references uh, throughout. I also really enjoyed in this movie that they made... Toby and Andrew, like proper characters. And it's been said time again. I've watched many different reviews and recaps of this. I'm obsessed with this movie. I think it's amazing. I think it was an amazing accomplishment, not only for the MCU, but for uh, the, I, I don't know, the interdependency of these two companies, Disney Marvel and Sony Marvel, where Sony Marvel, yeah, they have the IP, but they are sharing the IP freely with Disney, Granted, it's a profitable experience for both of them, and we'll talk about the money here in a second. Um, but I think if this if this is a good starting place for this kind of shared continuity between studios, this is really setting the groundwork for maybe a DC versus Marvel event. I mean, we've got two multiverses brewing up right now, like. We have the Spider-Verse, we have Loki's multiverse, we have the multiverse of madness with Doctor Strange, and by all accounts, the Flash movie over there on the DC side has Michael Keaton's Batman, and it's going back in time, and it's going to have different versions of Flash, and they're setting up a multiverse over there, or a split continuity over there. So, realistically... I mean, all of the stars are in alignment right now. We have the commercial success of this shared IP Spider-Man that is, it's breaking box office records, especially during the pandemic. And we have uh, this, this constant need and drive toward and for nostalgia. Man, I can't help but think that these conversations with like uh, Kevin Feige and Jeff Johns and Walter Hamada and all those, all those guys at DC are happening behind the scenes to make something like this happen. Like how big of a movie would that be if we had Christian Bale and Ben Affleck's bat Batman go up against, 
Hell, what about Tony Stark and Captain Rogers? Bring them back as well. Have a head-to-head. Have the Hulk smashing around on, gosh, dang, I don't know. it Abomination. Anything. Like, I think now is the perfect time. It's the perfect storm. And uh, DC, Sony, Marvel, if you guys are listening to the Culture Jack podcast, and I know you are. You're huge fans. I would love for you to make this happen. And believe me, you will have at least one movie ticket, if not two movie tickets, out of me for this movie. Um, yeah, it was cool that uh, Andrew and Toby were in it and that they they weren't just like sidekicks, side characters. Um, they had a bunch of, <laughs> bunch of good interactions with one another. There was the time they were talking about how their webbing worked and how... Tom Holland, he was he was very upset that, you know, he had to make his own webbing and and Toby just, yeah, it just comes out of him. They talked about web blocking in reference to uh, the Spider-Man. I think it was Spider-Man 2 where he could not get his webs to work. And it was kind of just like a mental a mental block there. They had uh, a moment where they're all in the lab trying to figure out how to cure these villains. And Ned goes, Peter. And all of them were like, what? And he was like, Peter Parker. And they're like, yeah, that, that's all of us, too. And they all said it at the same time. It was a great shtick. And then the last uh, really funny, uh, the, the last really, I think, poignant, very clever inclusion of these Peter Parkers was a moment between Andrew and Toby where they were on the Statue of Liberty and they were fighting, but... Uh, they weren't fighting yet. They were just getting ready. They were gearing up for the big fight and Toby's trying to pop his back and Andrew's like, you're back. And he's like, yeah, my upper mid, my mid back, you know, it's from all that swinging. And, and, uh, Andrew goes, well, here, let me, you want me to pop your back for you? And Toby said, would you, that'd be great. And they're just like these two old men, spider Man. <laughs> I've never felt more represented in a Spider-Man movie, except for, uh, the end of the spider verse movie when old Peter Parker came through and he's got like the, <laughs> the beer gut. I felt pretty good representation there as well. Uh, but he's like popping his back on the Statue of Liberty. I thought that was just thought that was just great. Uh, I did hear one commentator say, and I think it was Jeremy Johns on YouTube. Uh, I I heard him say, you know, we we all pretty ha- pretty much had a good idea that Toby and Andrew were going to be in this movie. We thought, well, this is. I mean, they've got to be there. They're they're having all of the major villains from their franchises. Why wouldn't they have? And then there was the the leak with the video uh, or the trailer where Lizard was was kicked by an invisible force. It, that was a Spider-Man they CG'd out, obviously. It was Andrew Garfield's feet that actually hit him in the face that we saw in the film. Uh, but imagine, imagine what that reveal would have been like had you gone into the theater not knowing that there was even a possibility that Andrew uh, and Toby were going to show up. And I was thinking, how would you do that? Because even if you didn't have those leaks of them showing up, you would still have all the trailers and all the promotional material with all of the villains, with Doc Ock and the Lizard and Electro. And I was was watching, well, I wasn't watching the movie and thinking about this, but afterwards I was thinking about how much of this... Uh, movie could have been edited in a way or the trailers could have been edited in a way that did not show any of these villains. And I think they could have done it. I think they could have done it. But I think also part of the reason that the movie is doing so well in the box office 
is because of all of the leaks and all of the hype and all of the anticipation, all of the the uh, mystery surrounding this movie. But man, imagine going into the theater not knowing what to expect out of this third Spider-Man movie and then seeing the other two Spider-Men show up to fight off these villains and save the universe. So I did have some theories. If you listen to my, I think it was my Friday show two weeks ago. Was it two weeks ago? Maybe it was last week. No, no. It must have been two weeks ago. Uh, I made some theories. Or I didn't make some theories. I I was kind of guessing who people were going to show up. I said that the Spider-Men were going to show up, Toby and Andrew. And they did. So I was right about that. I said Mary Jane Watson from the original Spider-Man and Gwen Stacy from the Amazing Spider-Man were not going to show up. They didn't. I was right there. Uh, Scarlet Witch, I said, would be in an end credit scene. And I don't know if I can give myself credit for this correct theory because it was just a trailer. I Honestly, it was really cool them having a trailer for an end credit scene. And I would like for that to be the case. Like if they debuted a Marvel movie or a Marvel show trailer at the end of each one of their movies, I'd be all for that. I love it. I love it. Just keep this hype going. Uh, there was a time early in the pandemic that Anthony and I were talking and we talked about, oh, oh man, this this barren wasteland of Marvel. Because back in 2020, we had nothing for Marvel. There were no shows yet. Uh, all the movies had been delayed, pushed out, canceled. And so we were like, oh no, people are going to lose steam. They're going to lose interest. And judging by the reception of Spider-Man No Way Home, that couldn't be further from the truth. Granted, we've had a very good Marvel year. We've had, what, five five Disney Plus shows and five movies, four movies? And and good universe-expanding movies, too. Um, so Scarlet Witch was there, but she was there in a, uh, in a trailer. Uh, Daredevil, I said, was going to show up, and he did. I, it was really cool to see him just for that moment when he, he caught the brick sight unseen as it was thrown into Peter's uh, or Aunt May's apartment, Happy's apartment. I don't know where they were. And he caught it and he goes, Whoa, what was that? What? He's like, I'm a really good lawyer. Um, so it'll be exciting, exciting to see more of Daredevil. There was no Kingpin, but he did show up. And, oh, oh, never mind. I won't tell you because that could be a spoiler for the other thing. Maybe you're just here for the Spider Man spoilers and for nothing else. I also said that people are going to truly forget who Spider-Man is by the end of this movie. I predicted the ending so well. Guys, you should be so proud of me. Uh, And they did. Masked identities, though, I said were going to be universal again. Since Tony Stark ruined that in the first Iron Man by saying, I am Iron Man and unmasking himself. (laughs) These are not universal, but Spider-Man is very much anonymous. He is a a secret character. I was wrong about the X-Men. I said the X-Men were going to show up. I also said that I didn't think Venom was going to show up in this movie, but he did eke himself in there in an end credit scene. And what an end credit scene that was, too. Now, let me just set the stage for you. They got this guy that people have been clamoring to fight Spider-Man for so long. And then at the end of the the second Venom movie, Let There Be Carnage, there's a post-credit scene where Tom Hardy's Eddie Brock is transported seemingly out of this universe, just as Venom is telling him that the hive mind 
shares information betwixt each other across space, across time, across different universes. Just as he's telling them this, he's whisked away to another universe where we see uh, then Tom Holland's Peter Parker on TV. And he goes, oh, this guy. Because one of his other Venom symbiotes had met that guy and faced off against him in Tobey Maguire's third movie as well. So he knows about him. And I thought it was just so cool how they transported him over there at the end credits of that scene. And then they transported him back at the end credits of this scene. Like he was invited to the party, but he, uh, (laughs) he didn't show up. He got sent back and he left a little bit of symbiote there in the MCU for Tom Holland, Spider-Man to find one thing that has been going crazy on the internet since this movie aired is the fact that people want to see more from Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man, which I can't blame him. He was very charismatic in this movie. And like I said on my Spider-Man's Theory podcast a couple weeks ago, the amazing Spider-Man, in my mind, was always a better uh, movie and sequel than was the original Spider-Man trilogy with Tobey Maguire. I could care less about Tobey Maguire, but I did like the Amazing Spider-Man. So we'll see if anything comes of that. I know Andrew Garfield has said time and again he loves playing Peter Parker. He loves playing Spider-Man. So we'll see. We'll see if we get any, uh, like, I don't know, future future Spider-Man stuff uh, from him. A very poignant moment in this show is Aunt May was killed by Willem Dafoe's Green Goblin. And I thought it was very... It was so emblematic of Peter Parker as a character, of Spider-Man and his lore, because we never got that origin story with Tom Holland's Spider-Man. We never got the Uncle Ben dying with great power comes great risk, but we got it from Aunt May. And so they did it in Into the Spider-Verse. They did it in this multiverse movie that we, we... the character of Spider-Man just has a very particular lore about him because of something he did or didn't do. Someone close to him has suffered because of that. And that was true with Andrew Garfield, Spider-Man with Tobey Maguire, Spider-Man, and now with Tom Holland, Spider-Man, Tom Holland, although he was trying to do the right thing, this wasn't, you know, Tobey Maguire letting the, the guy run past him in the wrestling match because he wasn't paid by the owner who eventually, Uh, The guy that ran past him killed his Uncle Ben. No, this was Spider-Man trying to help this group of villains become better. Oh, that was another great scene when they were all in the lab trying to figure things out. And then uh, Peter Parker's uh, spider sense went off and he just started walking around the house. He's like, something is wrong. Something's amiss. And he found Willem Dafoe's Green Goblin up to some cheeky shit. I don't remember what he was up to, but he webbed himself against the or he webbed his hand against the wall as they were all trying to fix their problems. Come on, man. Uh, but that was a really cool scene. Uh, yeah, so Green Goblin uh, killed Aunt May after Peter tried to, to, to cure them. And she was like, no, you did the right thing. And, you know, if you're, you're given this great power, then with that also, too, comes great responsibility or something along those lines. And then the scene where Toby and Andrew were trying to cheer him, not cheer him up, but what relate to him. Uh, they, they, they put some... You know, empathetically, they have been in his shoes, either with someone they care about or a direct relative of themselves. And then they also were given the same lesson uh, to not not waste not waste their power. And I thought it was a very powerful moment 
in the scenes. But I'm glad that we got it. I'm glad that we got that for that Spider-Man. Speaking of Willem Dafoe, this guy was amazing. I saw in another review, they said they smashed his mask immediately. That dumb mask. They smashed it immediately. And they gave him, when he was kind of a homeless guy and he went to the feast shelter, they gave him... Uh, the tattered rags of Green Goblin and Willem Dafoe's facial expressions, whether CG amplified or not, are so expressive that they gave him the Goblin aesthetic without actually having to give him some some dinky mask. I mean, let the the actor's performance shine, and it it did. This reset Peter Parker, Tom Holland's Peter Parker, Spider Man in the MCU. Or we assume it's in the MCU. Maybe this is Sony's, like, okay, we're going to reset everything. Uh, Doctor Strange doesn't know him. None of the Avengers know him. He is outside of the MCU. He's ours again. And they're going to try making movies, which I hope is not the case. I hope he still gets to interact with the MCU characters, especially when we get closer to stuff like Secret Invasion and Secret Wars. Like, he's going to be, he's going to be pivotal in, uh, in those movies. And it is doing very well. I mentioned it earlier. I know Anthony talked about it on Sunday, but it's been a few days. The box office, currently, it's sitting at $1.1 billion worldwide. And I had said that it would be at $1.5 billion if it was not the pandemic. But then I estimated a much lower number. I estimated, I think it was seven, seven or $800 million because of the pandemic unbeknownst to me that this movie was going to do pre-pandemic numbers in the middle of a pandemic, which is pretty funny because a lot of people are like, is this the death of movies? Is this the death of theaters? And they talk about movies like West Side Story underperforming at the box office. Well, no, Martin Scorsese and everyone else that says that these comic book movies are schlock and they don't need to be uh, showcased as as regularly and and just uh, prominently as they are, um, it is not because uh, the movies are dead. We just want to see something else. We want to see multiple universes, Spider-Men get together. There are people, Omicron, coronavirus be damned, who will go to the movie theater to see a, a, a motion picture, a Marvel comic book movie on the level of Infinity War and Endgame. It, they're, they're, they'll hell we'll put our lives on the line to see <laughs> to see these movies um yeah it is the highest grossing sony property ever and it is the only movie probably that will pass 1 billion dollars in 2021 a a title they should hold in high regard uh and it it does lead you to believe like all these guys uh scorsese more who talk about these movies uh, being, you know, just mindless fodder. And that's, you know, sometimes that's what you need. You need a little mindless fodder. And comic book movies, I remember, and I talk to Anthony about this often, when the first, I don't know, half a dozen, uh, half a dozen Marvel movies were coming out and people were already talking about, oh, we've got, we've got comic book fatigue. We've got superhero fatigue. These movies aren't going to last. Here we are 12 years later. Not even 12 years, shit, 14 years, almost a decade and a half later. 
where these movies are breaking box office records. Uh, all of their critics are being summarily shut down. And us, the fans, the comic book fans, the, the, the kids that watched the X-Men animated series, you know, back in the 90s, we're having the last laugh and we're having the time of our life. Because these movies are, are so good. Okay, so that's Spider-Man No Way Home. Now I'm going to talk a little bit about spoilers uh, from Hawkeye. Not much. I'm not going to get Anthony did a great job uh, very exhaustively covering the Hawkeye series on Saturday episodes of on today's episode. Uh, so go check those those out if you want a breakdown. If you're just getting into the show, um, it's a great show. Very emotional. Spoilers for Hawkeye. You've been warned. Tune out. Tune out now. The Kingpin. Seemed like he was a CGI guy, uh, or, or at least uh, Dion Fario was enhanced uh, by CGI. I'm saying that wrong. D'Onofrio. D'Onofrio. Anthony has to correct me all the time on that. Seemingly, he was shot at the last episode, but we know he's going to come back. There's uh, big comic book implications, like Anthony said. Uh, I'm very pleased to have him back in the MCU. What I don't know is... This this it's played by the same actor or the characters played by the same actor, but it's not in the same continuity. So I don't think this is the same Kingpin from the Daredevil shows because he is different. He is CGI. He's larger. Uh, we should see him return in the Echo series, um, but I liked it. I do have to agree with Anthony, though. The season finale of Hawkeye was a little lackluster, a little disappointing. They tried to close out such a large story in such a quick way, but that doesn't diminish the fact that I did have a really good time watching it. All of the interactions between uh, Kate Bishop and Yelena Belova were amazing. I mean, the, they have such wonderful chemistry. I would watch a show of those two uh, by themselves. And then there was a moment at the end where Yelena was about to kill Clint and she started asking him why. And he was like, well, she sacrificed herself. And she said, why didn't, why didn't you sacrifice yourself? Um, and he said, I couldn't beat her. And that was like the emotion on Florence Pugh's face was so good. So good. And this whole show gave me a much more of an appreciation for the Hawkeye character, for Clint, as I assume it would anyone watching and giving him that much more background, that much more emotional weight to his character. And I think I talked about it on one of our social media posts, but the moment when uh, Kate comes into the kitchen and Clint has answered the phone from who he uh, thinks is his wife, but his hearing aid has been destroyed. So he doesn't know it's actually his son. And she starts scribbling down it, what his son is saying to him on the phone because he can't hear was so emotionally charged and so good for that character. Mm. Delicious. I loved it. Uh, if you have not seen Hawkeye, go see Hawkeye. I also just saw Encanto. If you haven't seen Encanto, it's on Disney Plus right now. It's really, really good. It uh, it seems incomplete, though. It's like feature length, but it feels like half a movie. Watch it and... <laughs> watch it and you tell me what you think. You can, you, you can tell me in a, a myriad of different ways on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, email at culturejack, culture.collective.x2 at gmail.com. That's the way to get a hold of us or leave a comment or review in one of our podcasting platforms that you listen to us on. A review would be very, 
very grateful. Like make a New Year's resolution now because it is of the time or it will be here in a couple of days uh, to leave a review on the Culture Jack podcast specifically. Um, We also talked about last week on the Friday show, I talked about my game of the year, movie of the year, show of the year, and spoiler alert, my anime of the year. And then Anthony did the same thing on his Monday Madness show. And it was funny because we didn't talk about what movies and games were the best. However, Anthony and I did agree on the best game and best movie. And so I guess we have a, for the first time ever, a unanimous decision for game of the year. Culture Jack game of the year is Halo Infinite and Culture Jack movie of the year is Dune. So congratulations on those two movies. You, you earned the highly prestigious Culture Jack of the year awards. And that I, I guess brings me to the end of the podcast today. And I didn't have anything prepared. I should have, because tomorrow I have a pre-recorded episode of Anthony and myself, uh, what are we talking about? I think we're talking about cancel culture a little bit. That's kind of a fun episode. Um, but tomorrow we have that episode. So I don't really get a send off uh, for 2021. And I guess like 2020, 2021 was a year that was full of uh, challenges, uh, very unique challenges, but also very, I guess, very widespread and universal challenges to all of us that are going through life during a pandemic. Um, so it's been, it's been a year and I know people like to say, you know, here's to, here's to 2021. I am of the party that I like to say, you know, uh, good riddance, good riddance to the previous year. Uh, we had some, we had some fun, we had some memories, but see you later. Let's, Let's look forward to the future. Let's look forward to 2022 and see what see what that year can bring. Like Anthony said, man, we have had a wonderful year here for Culture Jacked. Uh, the show is growing. We hear we hear you when we hear you. Uh, your support is amazing. Uh, I I can't help but feel like we have fallen into our place on the internet. A lot of people they try and make inroads to a place to a, a YouTube, to an Instagram influencer or something else. But we have carved out this little corner for ourselves, And now our show has covered so many, such a diverse array of topics and ideas and conversations that there's something in it for everyone. Everyone, at least, that likes to uh, kind of swim in this part of the ocean where we talk about comic books and movies and video games and technology and nerd culture, uh, RPGs and comic book collecting like this is, it's so cool. It's been, it's been like Anthony said, it's been challenging at times, but it has been rewarding beyond, I I think description. And I want to thank each and every one of you that's listened so much uh, from the bottom of my heart, and go see Spider-Man No Way Home. We've got a big year coming up for you for you next. We are creeping up on that 300 episodes. I only have one guest that I've shown on the podcast so far, though Logan is going to be making a appearance again in the coming weeks for some Wheel of Time episode reviews on today's episode on Saturdays, so keep an eye out for that. Uh, we've still got those great original ideas and concepts coming to you on Monday and Friday for Monday Madness and the Friday show. And then our news shows on Sunday, the Weekend Wire, and Thursday, the News Desk. 
for movie and video game news, respectively. Ah, <sighs> like I want, I want what I am, what I'm saying here at the end of the year to be profound. I want it to be impactful and meaningful, and I just, I'm having a hard time hitting the stop button, stop button right now, the stop button too. <laughs> um, I hope, I hope your 2021 was good, and. I hope if it was not good, then you can join me in saying good riddance, 2021, and let's make 2022 a little bit better. All right, we'll see you. We'll see you next week uh, for for some more more news. <laughs> I really don't want to end this episode. Uh, that is all we've got for the news, and we'll see you next week. <laughs>